0: All right, let's read verses seventeen through twenty-four responsively, joining together and then in unison on every other verse, ending together on verse 24. First Corinthians chapter one, verse seventeen. The word of God says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Scripture. Thank you for this passage of Scripture that reminds us of how you chose preaching. And the preaching of your Word, the preaching of the cross, the preaching of Christ uh, changes lives, saves souls. The preaching of the Bible encourages us to grow and reveals the word to us. And so tonight, I pray that you'd help us with this lesson that we'll learn. And Lord, that that perhaps this lesson tonight, this message tonight, could be a catalyst uh, for us to get more out of all the preaching we ever hear for the rest of our lives. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to preach a different kind of message Uh, often we look at many verses, tonight we're not going to look at a lot of verses. Uh, Often I preach long, tonight I don't think I will be. Uh, I want to preach an interesting message tonight entitled, How to Get the Most Out of Preaching. You know, if you're going to be right with God, you're going to be in church for the rest of your life. And if you're following God, you're going to be at church at least once. We recommend here four times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And the more you come to those services, the faster you're going to grow, the more you're going to be like Christ. It's just the way it works. Uh, The the stronger Christians uh, tend to go to more services, and that's because more services make you a stronger Christian. And so being around God's people, listen, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have a better Monday because I came to church Sunday night. I'm going to have a better week because I spent the day in church. And so uh, we're going to be in church our whole lives if we stay right with God. That means we're going to hear preaching an awful lot. I hope you never go to one of these wimpy churches. One of these churches where they got the, the rock music and the, 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 the steam coming out from the, the, the platform and uh, all of the different things, anything but preaching. Because God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Uh, Nothing should ever uh, displace preaching. It's the preaching that God uses. So preaching is powerful. God chose preaching to communicate truth to believers and non-believers alike. And I want to preach a sermon tonight that's going to ensure God speaks to you during a sermon. If you follow what I'm going to tell you tonight, I really believe that you're opening the way, you're giving yourself the best opportunity for God to speak to you life-changing truth in any sermon you hear. You know, what's interesting is the world calls preaching foolishness, backsliders call strong preaching meddling, but the Bible calls it the power of God. You know, even here tonight, There's going to be someone in this room where, man, the preaching is powerful and it's life changing. And you're going to walk out of here saying, wow, that was a great truth. And we serve a mighty God. And then there's going to probably be someone else, God forbid, in this room. You're going to be bored all night. I mean, for some, preaching is a bore. It's a burden. Let's get that part over with. Now, there's a lot of different factors in preaching. The church the preacher, the message, the style, all of those things, the subject matter. But, you know, while there's many factors to this equation, there's only one constant. And that's the listener. So the only constant to every sermon you're going to hear the rest of your life is you. And I propose to you tonight that how you come to preaching, how you approach the preaching of God's word Is going to greatly determine what you get out of it. Let me say it like this you get out of preaching what you put into listening to it. If you're doodling right now, you're not going to get a lot out of the sermon. If you're looking at your phone, you're not going to get a lot out of the sermon. If you're thinking about everything else you got to do, if you got your phone down there checking your messages and oh, my my phone buzzed and I got to see what's going on and what news alert and what's going on on Facebook and all this kind of stuff, you're not going to get anything out of sermon. And it's not going to be the preacher's fault, it's not going to be God's fault, it's not going to be the church's fault. Perhaps it's how we listen to preaching. And so I want to give you some tips tonight that are going to help you get the most out of preaching for the rest of your life. And so I'm just going to give you... Uh, Ten things tonight, and we'll go to the house. Uh, Boy, let me just say before I get into that, though, I love preaching. Uh, Not just because I'm a preacher, but God used preaching to save my soul, show me my need of Christ. God has used preaching to teach me the deep things of His Word, to convict me and to push me and encourage me and provoke me to make the decisions I knew I should make, but my flesh didn't want to make. Preaching has helped me to conquer temptation and make important decisions in my life. The preaching of God's word, can it be replaced by anything else? And the answer is no. There is nothing like listening to a spirit-filled person preach what God gave them in preaching. And so let me give you a couple things tonight that I think will help you. Number one, you want to get the most out of preaching. Number one, prepare your heart before the service. Before the service. Listen, I know we're all busy and sometimes we run in and we barely get here. But we can all agree that some of you and some of us, when we come to church by the time we get to our preaching, our minds are still at work. Our hearts are still at home. Our mind's still on the ball game. We're not engaged. We're not all in. And so that, that greatly affects what God's going to be able to teach us. Think about how you get ready for church. We all have our process. Hopefully you take a shower get dressed, fix your hair, grab a bite to eat, hopefully brush your teeth, maybe throw on some of that good smelling stuff. Nowadays people put on their fake eyelashes and they put in their hair extensions and they put on their shapewear and they put on, get out the putty knife, you know, the 12-inch taping knife and put on the makeup. And I mean, uh, it's a little bit crazy. You ladies in here don't do that, but I mean, good night. It used to be ladies would put on makeup. Nowadays these they're putting in extra hair and extra makeup and drawing on you old know, thick, looks like they got caterpillars on their eyelashes, you know. It's like, is that a caterpillar? No, that's their eyebrow. It's like, whoa, that, that didn't used to be cool. Remember back in the 90s when it was the thin eyebrow? And then nowadays it's like the woolly mammoth eyebrow? I mean, it's like you don't have to be trendy, right? Just find something that makes you look nice and uh, find, find that, that balance between godliness and, and, uh, and adorning yourself. And do it. But most of us wouldn't think of going to church without preparing our external experience, uh, uh, our, our external appearance. Well, most wouldn't. Yet a lot of folks rush into church from the busyness of life without even a moment of preparation for their heart. One of the biggest things you can do to start getting more out of the church service is prepare yourself before you come. That's going to be different for everybody, right? For some, it could be taking 15 minutes before you leave the house and say, Lord, I just want to spend a few minutes with you. I want to make sure I'm in the right place when I go to church so I can be blessed and I can be a blessing to others. For some of you, that sounds like a heavenly luxury. For some, it's going to be rushing in on a Wednesday night. You haven't eaten yet. You're just getting in from work. And it might be just driving here, turning off the radio, turning off the talk radio and saying, Lord, you know, it's been a busy day, but I really need you to talk to me tonight. For some, it might be pulling in the, the parking lot and turning off the car and just taking 30 seconds and taking a deep breath and saying, Lord, I need to hear from you tonight. I confess my sin. I want to be close to you. But see, even that, I mean, that 30-second that change can dramatically change your experience of how you go through a church service. And so make sure your heart's prepared. Uh, say a prayer. Confess your sins. Praise His name. Ask for a blessing. Ask God to make you a blessing to others. Whatever works for you, make it happen. And some of you are like, I have no idea how to make that happen in my crazy schedule. But I've, what I found out is if you make the commitment to do so, then God will show you how. I mean, there have been times back before Sarah got sick where I was driving to church and things were a little hectic, and I'm the preacher. And I'd say, honey, if, if we could just, if I could just have a few minutes while I'm driving. And she would calm the kids down, and we just wouldn't talk for a few minutes, and I'm driving down the road with a, a car full of people just taking a moment, saying, I, I need to be right. And so whatever works for you. But number one, prepare your heart before the preaching. God's work in your heart doesn't begin when the preacher opens his Bible. It starts before you even drive onto the property. All right, number two how to get the most out of preaching willingly participate in each part of the service. Hey, don't be a grump at church, don't be grumpy. Don't be the one with a little a black rain cloud following you around, and everybody knows you're having a bad day, and everybody knows, well, don't talk to so-and-so today. They're having a bad day. Hey, so-and-so, how are you doing? Fine. I'm doing fine. Are you okay? Why do you ask? And it's like, no, don't, don't, don't be that way. Uh, if you make it into the building, which some days that's a victory by itself, decide to participate in the service. Watch this. Every part of the service is important. When it's time to stand, stand if you can and you're healthy. When it's time to sit, sit. When it's time to shake hands, shake a hand. When it's time to sing, sing. When it's time to pray, pray. When it's time to listen, listen. When it's time to respond, respond. Just decide that you're going to be an active participant, willing participant in each part of the service. The funny story I was thinking about while I was preparing this, I was saved when I was 16. I got serious about serving the Lord when I was 17. Well, between that time, the Lord was working on my heart slowly, And we lived about 16 or about six miles outside of town. The church was right on the outskirts of town. And I got this idea that, well, I should probably start going to Wednesday night church and Sunday night church. But I had in my mind for some reason that I knew the preaching was important, but the rest of the service was just fluff. You know, the rest of the service didn't matter. And so I could skip the beginning stuff and the singing and all of that as long as I was there for the preaching. And so I got in the habit of I'd be in town messing around, maybe stop by a friend's house. And then on on uh, Wednesday night, I would pull in, you know, about, well, let's say, you know, seven thirty, seven forty. I know the preacher's getting ready to preach. And they would do their prayer time at the end of church uh, and just stay after. And so I got in the habit of doing that. Well, one night, I remember I, I would sneak in the back, and uh, there was there's three doors at Blessed Hope, one in the middle and one on each side in the side aisle. And I'd always sneak back in this door and sit in the back pew like a good Baptist, and so I, I would sneak in there, and I would open the door quietly, and he would always see me, but nobody else could see me. And so I'd always sneak in, and I'd always try not to look at him, you know, catch his eye and, and sneak in. Well, one night, I remember it just like it was yesterday, I'm sneaking in, as I always did, and for some reason the hinge went, Eah! and everybody in the church went. And turned to look over and see what that sound was. And here I am. I felt like I got my hand caught in a cookie jar, you know? I'm like... And so I sit down uh, privately, and I'd been doing this for quite a while. Well, that night, uh, probably right after that, the preacher decided to explain to everybody why it was important to come to the whole church service and why the singing was important and the prayer was important and the congregational songs prepared your heart. And really sneaking in before the preaching... Was not a good spirit. And there were a lot of amens that night. <laughs> yeah, man, that's right. And I'm sitting back there, oh man, I'm getting filleted by the preacher. And you say, Did you get mad? No. Did you go around telling everybody who would listen why you did it and all my excuses? And no. Say, so what'd you do? I received instruction. He's right. I shouldn't be sneaking in right for the preaching. And so I made a decision that night to stop that practice. But I'm glad I had a preacher that taught me that every part of the church service was important. You know, that, that happened over 25 years ago. And I think that that night, Pastor Ross did me a real big favor. Because who knows where I'd be today if I would have kept that attitude about all this church service is important. That's why we don't want you out talking in the foyer all during the service. We don't want you hanging out in the fellowship hall during service. We don't want the teenagers down in the kitchen. We don't want a bunch of ladies who don't need to be down there, down in the nursery, hanging out during, during a church service. Why? Church is important. Be in church. If you're going to get to the property, get here, get in the building, be engaged. And what happens is you'll feel that transformation in your own heart over the time where there have been many times where I've come to church grumpy and maybe not feeling right, and by the end of church, I'm different. Isn't that a blessing? But that doesn't happen when I sit back there like a bump on a log. It happens when I willingly start injecting myself in the service. All right? Let me say number three. How do we get the most out of preaching? Sing heartily during the song service. The song service isn't a time filler. I look at Psalm 149. There's a reason why we sing... Uh, the songs of the Lord singing is very powerful by the way the wrong kind of music is very powerful too That's why it's so important why we try to listen to a good godly music And, and let that fill our hearts and speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns And spiritual songs sing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord Psalm 49 1 says praise ye the Lord sing unto the Lord a new song and praise And his praise in the congregation of the saints So, wow, God says we're supposed to publicly sing in the congregation. Look at Psalm 135. And verse 3. Praise the Lord, for He is good. Sing praises unto His name, for it is pleasant. You know, there's just something about hearing a singing church. And I'm so glad that we're a singing church and you folks really do a good job. Sometimes we'll, we'll get a little bit shy about it, but I mean, for the most part, I am so thankful. Uh, and listen, when it comes time to sing, just just belt it out. I mean, don't hold back. Just, just let that thing go. Uh, the Bible says make a, a joyful noise, amen? You may not be the best singer, but you can give your heart to the Lord in song. And sometimes we've had people over the years to where, I mean, man, they couldn't hold a tune in a bucket. And yet, they're having fun during the song service. And they're back there just singing. And I mean, even just like their head wobbling around and maybe holding a song book. And they're singing to the Lord. And then other times, sometimes people with very good voices. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. Boy, isn't this moving? That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now i found, was blind, but now I see. That moved me, preacher. That was touching. See, the song is beautiful, but when we give our heart through it, that's when it becomes magical. And so give your heart during the singing. Once again, I was privileged to be saved at at Blessed Old Baptist Church, and my spiritual father was a bus captain named Bo Eichelman. He was a machinist by trade, but he was a bus worker by calling, uh, and he loved the bus ministry. He used to say, say, God called me to the bus ministry, and boy, he changed my life and, and many others. One thing I love is, is he also taught the teen boys Sunday school class. So during assembly, uh, the teen boys, the classes would sit together. And then uh, during the morning service, if those of us that came on the bus would sit with the bus workers too, which I think is a good practice, and we ought, we ought to do that here, try to do that here. Uh, and I would sit there, and Brother Bo, when it came time for the song service, man, he loved to sing. I mean, he could sing so loud. Now, he wasn't a great singer. His daughters, he had three daughters, they are incredible singers. And hearing them sing a trio is just unbelievable. But I mean, beautiful voices, they could sing all different parts. Brother Bo wasn't really a good singer, but man, he loved to sing. And I tell you what, he would just let it fly during the song service. And I remember we'd sit right back over here as a class on Sunday morning, and we'd look down the row and he would always sit the first chair right here in the, usually the first chair, sometimes he'd sit in a little bit and let the teens sit on either side of him. But, man, we'd look over at him, and during the song service, you didn't talk. Hey, you didn't talk to Brother Bo during the song service. It was singing time. He wasn't messing around. He wasn't going to the bathroom. He was singing. And a matter of fact, sometimes we'd look at him, and we would all try to sing louder than he was. I don't know that we ever did. He was just all in singing. You know why? Because he loved Jesus. He loved God, and I'm thankful that I had that example as a young man, that when it comes time to sing in church, you sing. I mean, take a deep breath and, and, and blow that thing out and learn how to get your, your, your pitch. And, and I, I couldn't sing worth a lick whenever I first started going to church. But over time in the song service, you just sing during the song service and God will give you a voice. It's a beautiful thing. So we sing heartily during the song service. And that singing will change our hearts and prepare us for the reception of God's word. Let me say number four. Pray in unity during corporate prayer. Prayer in church is not for bystanders. We must participate. Pray when the preacher's praying or whoever is leading in public prayer. So when I pray at the beginning of the service, that's not time for you to say, oh, let's stop what we're doing. Pastor's praying. No, we're all praying. When the ushers are praying for the offering, that's not time that they're praying for the offering. That's we're praying for the offering. And so I want to be so engaged in the service that when someone's praying, I'm praying with them. I'm partnering with them in prayer. That uh, There's no timeouts in the church service where it's like, oh, they don't need me for this part. Or, oh, I'm just going to sit here and be unengaged until the preaching comes, or, God forbid, until it's over and I get to run out the door. A prayer... Uh, pray, partner in prayer, pray at the beginning of the service, pray during the offertory, pray before the message, pray at the conclusion of the message, pray at the invitation, pray at the end of the service, at every opportunity pray. Number five, ask God for at least one life-changing truth. Ask God for at least one life-changing truth. As we talked about this morning, if you don't expect to get anything from God, you probably won't. Look at Romans chapter 8. A message like this is what we call like a force multiplier or a catalyst. If you take some of these tips and put them in your life, you're going to exponentially increase your retention uh, and what you get out of preaching. We're working on a really exciting project right now. We're almost putting the finishing touches on it. But uh, this, I actually wrote this and, and, and came up with this framework as part of a uh, sermon notes journal, a guided a sermon note journal, uh, teaching people how to take sermon notes. And then you not only take notes, but you have a guided review so that you're assimilating and reviewing the information occasionally so you don't forget what God's done in your heart. Really excited about it. But listen, we're going to spend our life listening to preaching. Uh, And and I've preached thousands and thousands of sermons. You've listened to, some of you have listened to tens of thousands of sermons. Let's get something out of it, amen? Let's not just put on our time, but let's ask God for one life-changing truth from every service that I can do this week, something I can do this week. And we find in Romans chapter 8, look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Now that's the ultimate goal of the Christian life, is to be like Jesus. Amen? Amen. That He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So the purpose of preaching is not only information, but also transformation. Some preachers make the huge mistake of thinking that, that preaching is just informational. Preaching is not giving a book report. Preaching is transformational. It's taking the truth of God's Word and that supernaturally empowered information applied specifically to a life, and God can begin to make changes on us on the inside. And so the goal of this sermon is not just to preach a sermon and fill time, and I get paid this week, and and you you, you, you feel better about going to church. No, the goal is that you're a little bit more like Jesus because of coming today. Uh, And and the goal in this message is that you're going to get a little bit more out of every message you ever hear because you came tonight. Wouldn't that be worth your time? And so uh, this idea of, of I want to be transformed, I'm expecting transformation. God, I need you to speak to me tonight. I need one truth. And before every sermon, you should bow your head, even if it's just for seconds and say, Lord, I need something from this sermon. Please show me a truth from this sermon. And, and ask God and expect it. You need to open yourself up and be receptive to the truth. Recently in Sunday school, we studied the four types of soil in the parable of the sower. The first soil was hard and could not receive the seed. The second soil didn't have any depth and the seed couldn't take root and grow permanently. The third was so filled with weeds and thorns and worldliness that the seed was unfruitful. And the fourth was plowed and prepared, ready for the seed. In the prepared soil, the seed took root and multiplied. The whole purpose of that parable is comparing the condition of my heart. What type of soil am I? And right now, today, sitting right in this service, your heart is like one of those types of soil. God forbid someone here might be hard as a rock. I mean, I could bang on a uh, bang on your heart with a spiritual sledgehammer, and it 's not going to move you don't don't be that way. Uh, some people come with good intentions, but there 's just no depth there they, they haven 't prepared they, they don 't have any way to remember it and they come here and they enjoy the service and they leave and it's gone. Some are perhaps here, and the truth is i mean you you were rocking and rolling in your car and you were watching. Uh, movies lately. I mean, your your head and mind are so filled with the world, the things of the world, how much money you're going to make and what you're going to buy this week and what you're going to do this week. I mean, there's no room for God. There's no room for spiritual things. Oh, but there's some here, I'm sure of it. That your heart's plowed. It's tilled up. Ready to receive the seed. And the beautiful thing about soil is, that hard soil can be tilled up and weeded and prepared for seed. Right? The, the condition of my heart is changeable. Someone says, well, I preach, I, I just don't feel it today. I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not feeling very spiritual. My heart's not in a good place. Well, you can change that. The bad news is that you could have a good heart today, but if you neglect it and you let the worldly weeds grow, You could be sitting here today weeping because you love Jesus. And six months from now, you couldn't care less about church. That's a scary thought. And so we have to be prepared and prepare our heart, asking God for one truth today. Let me say number six. How do we get the most out of preaching? Turn to each passage in the Bible with the preacher. Uh, Some of you already failed this one, haven't you? I've got secret cameras all over the auditorium, and we've been keeping track. And so Patrick put down the screen, and uh, we're going to watch on the screen. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. And truth, I haven't been keeping track. But let me tell you, one sign that you're engaged with the sermon is you've got a Bible in your hand, and you're turning the pages. Let me just make a bold statement. If you're not in the Bible during the sermon, you're probably not going to get much out of it. Look on the person next to you, grab a pew Bible. Sometimes, hey, people forget their Bibles. That happens. That's why we have pew Bibles. Uh, it's, It's a little bit awkward when you first go to church. You don't know where everything is. And so one tip that I give to new Christians is put a bookmark at the table of contents in your Bible. And so when the preacher says, turn to the book of Habakkuk, you're like, Habakkuk? Is that even a book? You turn to the, the table of contents and you find out, I don't know where it's at in the Bible, but I know it's on page 943. And so you quickly turn uh, to the page. It will do your heart good to see the Word of God in black and white and to know that when the preacher's preaching it, though there it is right there. Boy, I can't believe he's saying that, but there it is right there. And then also when you do that, you get to know the Bible. You will never get to know the Bible if you're never in the Bible, right? So you have, to, you have to get into it. You have to be willing to be bad at it before you can be good at it. And so get into the Bible. Turn in the pages. Don't be discouraged if you don't know how to find the books. Dive in, do the best you can, study during the week, learn where the books of the Bible are, and you'll grow. Let me say this also. In our digital age, the Bible is available on all kinds of electronic devices. I don't think this is sinful. Matter of fact, every day of my life, in my, in my personal workflow, uh, I do some Bible reading on one of my devices. And that's I get stuff out of it. It's totally fine. Here's the problem. During church, it's so easy to be distracted, and even at home. If you're going to read your Bible on a device, you have to have your notifications turned off. You have to make a covenant with yourself that, oh, you're not going to check your email. And, oh, by the way, what's the weather? And, oh, you know, I've got an appointment on Tuesday, but I can't remember what time it is. And so if you're not careful, you've got this device that could be very helpful. But during church, you are you're, you're keep getting distracted because you've got the world in the palm of your hand. And so here's a couple thoughts about using a Bible act. Turn off notifications. Uh, it's better if you can, unless you have to be available for an emergency. Put your phone in airplane mode. Uh, while you're using it during church or for Bible study. That way you're not getting buzzed all the time. Uh, And then, like I said, make a pact with yourself not to look at any other apps. Do this for your pastor. Let your pastor know, hey, preacher, right now I'm using an electronic Bible, uh, and I just want you to know that. That way the preacher doesn't think you're just messing around during church. Now, we're in a small enough church where I know pretty much all of you, but let me tell you something, especially you teenagers, I don't want you on on a phone during church. And parents, help me out with that. Your kids do not need to be on electronic devices during church. They need to learn how to grab a Bible and look at it. But even an adult, you know, preachers see more than you think they see. I mean, we've had people in sitting in the back playing Tetris and, you know, playing Call of Duty, you know, sitting in the back and, and oh, hey, man, preacher, you know, looking at uh, checking the sports games, you know, oh, the Super Bowl night, you know, uh, whatever. Oh, it's the finals just it's it's just a courtesy to let the preacher know hey I've been using my electronic bible app I want you to know I'm not messing around I am following along in the bible and so they're incredibly convenient but they need to be used appropriately and let me say this even if I uh, still even if I was going to use electronic bible I would still want to carry my bible with me so I encourage you to do that don't do away with your bible you ought to be connected to that book feel the leather in your hands, see the black and white, turn the pages, smell the book, see it with your eyes. There's just a beautiful connection, and you can lose a lot of connection with that digital device. And so there's some thoughts for you there. So how to get the most out of preaching. But here's the bottom line. If you're not using your Bible in church, you're not engaged. You will not get everything God has for you. All right, number seven, listen actively. Let's do this. Everybody sit up in your seat. Everybody sit up. I was about 30% of you. Everybody sit up. We do this in, in junior church. All right, everybody sit up straight and tall, hands in your lap and no talking. We got to do that before every adult service. What do you think I'll do that next Sunday morning. All right, I'll run up here. All right, if you love Jesus, amen. All right. Everybody stand up straight and tall, hands in your lap, no talking. Boys like a soldier. Girls like a princess. And yo, but you need to learn to listen actively. One reason why people don't get much out of the service is because they're they're too comfortable. They're just you know kind of getting down in there, getting down in that sweet spot, and uh getting comfortable and getting the neck just right, your head just right so you can fall asleep and not fall over. I mean, some people got it down to a science, and others of you just don't care. It's like <laughs> you know uh but you got to sit up straight. Slouching looks bad, it's bad for you, and it allows your mind to wander. Sit up in church. How do we listen actively? Look at the preacher. look You can look at his eyes, you can look at his face, you can look at his tie knot, you can look at his shirt, you can look at the pulpit. The key is keep your eyes up front. If you let your eyes wander, or if you're looking down too much, you, of necessity, become disengaged from what's going on up there. And so keep your eyes up towards the front. Uh, That will help you. Listen actively. How do we listen actively? Ask questions in your heart. Uh, Active listening is ask who, what, when, where, why, how. Boy, who did the Apostle Paul write that to in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? What what preaching is he talking about? Where is Corinth, by the way? And your mind is engaged, thinking, trying to get what what God is teaching you and what what the preacher is saying, not just like, oh, well. well, the pastor sure is boring today. Oh, no, maybe you're just half asleep. And so uh, we need to listen actively. All right. Think about the rewards for obeying scripture and the consequences for disobedience. So anytime you listen to preaching, if you're going to listen actively, you apply it to my life. How does this affect me? How can I how can I use this sermon on on uh, getting the most out of preaching? How how can that apply to me? Which one, which point am I going to start with? on Wednesday night, and you start applying yourself, you're actively thinking. You know, the service this morning, a personal vision from God. Do I have a personal vision from God? When did I get it? If I don't have one yet, I need one now. Well, I need to know where I'm going. It's it's applying the truth, and your, your brain is moving with the preacher asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. That'll help you, won't it? Alright, take appropriate notes. Some preachers don't like you to take any notes. Some, some preachers Love you to take notes. I think that taking sermon notes is okay, and it's helpful, but you need some instruction. If you take too many notes, you'll miss some of the sermon. Right? The preacher can talk faster than your hand can write. So you're still writing down what he said, but he's, he's three paragraphs beyond that. And if you're not careful, you're going to miss part of, of the sermon. I think, I think Satan can even use that as a distraction. And then maybe you start doodling over here. And then maybe you make a nice little smiling face over here. And then next thing you know, you're, you're disconnected. All right. But also, I think taking no sermon notes uh, is a detriment. And so I like to uh, I write my Bible. I carry my special Bible writing pen. And I got it right here, and I'll write my Bible if I need to. And then in the back, if a preacher says some amazing quote that I want to remember, man, I'll take that in the, in the back here, and um, I'll write that down. For example, Brother Smith said when he was here, Holiness, the difference that makes the difference. Hey, that's pretty good. One preacher said, The countenance reveals the condition of the heart. I got that written in the back of my Bible. That's a great quote. Uh Brother Clark said while he was here, giving is godly because God is a giver. If you are what you're supposed to be, you'll do what you should do. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? In the presence of a great king, don't ask for small gifts. Man, there's some good stuff in the back, so I'm listening actively matter of fact, as, as a preacher, one of the things I miss is listening to preaching. And I listen to preaching during the week. I was working yesterday doing some office work, and I listened to a, a sermon by Pastor Jerry Ross, just listening. And uh, last week I listened to other sermons from different people. I'm always bouncing around listening to old sermons from the greats and different people that you may not even know and even, even I don't know. But I, I, I need preaching, but I need to have a way to put that into a repository so I can keep it. But I don't want to get so bogged down taking notes that I miss the rest of the sermon. All right. How do you listen actively? Consider supporting verses. And so you could think about the verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. And maybe your mind goes to Acts chapter 5, where they went, uh, uh, went about teaching and preaching. And so, boy, he's talking about preaching. Well, I know other verses about preaching. And what about this verse? And what about this verse? And what about this verse? But my mind's engaged. Does that make sense to you? And so you're actively engaged in preaching. The service, All right, number eight, uh, contribute to the sermon. Uh, Contribute to the sermon. Preaching is not a spectator event. Now, I used to know a man that his way of contributing to the sermon was telling me everything I should have said. (laughs) You know, preacher, that was a good sermon, but you should have used this verse. And preacher, boy, you know, that was okay, but man, you should have made this point. And man, you should have used this illustration. That was not an encouraging contribution, right? Uh, Matter of fact, uh, every once in a while, uh, someone would be preaching. and I have no men to do this. They'll get up after the, the sermon and kind of say what they wish the sermon should have said. And boy, I wish they don't say it like this. Boy, that was a good sermon. Let me give you this point and This point, what they're saying is, boy, I wish the guy would have said this. And so we, we've got to be careful about that. Uh, that's not what I'm talking to about contributing to the sermon. What I'm talking about is when you listen actively and you participate in the service that encourages the preacher. It also encourages others. Some of you who sit in the back, and some of you for good reason, whether you've got to come and go or health issues or, or things like that, uh, you know what it's like the further you get away from the preaching, the more distractions there are between you and the preacher. Do you agree with that? Uh, that's why, man, I think, I think that all of us, we ought to move up. I've been threatened to take out those back pews uh, for the last year or so, and I had even my own father-in-law said, you take out that back pew, I'm going to be mad. And I said, well, you might have to be mad. And uh, uh, some going to talk about a church split. And uh, I'll, if I put them outside by the road, we'd have church members out on the side of the road. What are you doing? I'm at church. I'm going to sit in this view. And, uh, but, but move up if you can. And, and I, I'm preaching to the choir because I tell you that. And then if I'm at a church, I, I sit in the back row. I'm confessing to you. So I say that I know I understand all of that. But I also understand we've had problems in the background, especially uh, about uh, almost towards the back. Man, we've had issues in the back. Teenagers messing around, people on their phones, adults not paying attention. It just gets gets a little crazy. So pay attention to the sermon. When you're paying attention, it encourages others to pay attention. By the way, if you're not paying attention, it encourages other people not to pay attention. And so pay attention and maybe say a hearty amen at times. Maybe say a praise the Lord when the Spirit moves you. Matter of fact, there's a lot of fun options to express your agreement. And I was thinking while I was preparing this, all the different ways I've heard people say amen over the years. You know, just take the word amen. You can emphasize the A. Amen. Yeah, man. Or you can emphasize the man. Amen. Amen. I used to have a guy that he'd be happy with the preacher. He'd say, Amen. Like, is that a sick cow, or is he saying amen over there? What's, what's going on? Now, some people say, that's right. That's right, preacher. I've heard that one. I've heard praise the Lord. I've heard glory to God. I've told you about my two friends. Uh, that, that, when they were in college, they were from down south. They'd say, glory to God. And I'd be like, who's this God you keep talking about? Is this? I serve God, sir. That sounds like a false God to me. You know, I'd give him a hard time. And uh, uh, sometimes they say, that's good, preacher. I've heard people say, true. Well, that's a little understated, a little subtle. Somebody's preaching along, Jesus saves. True. <laughs> that's better than nothing. I've heard people say truth. I've heard people say, go ahead. There was this one guy I knew in church, and he's from down south too. That's where all the crazy people live. And uh, he, was, he was down there, and he'd be in church, and the preacher would be preaching. He'd say, go ahead. Go ahead. Is that like an amen? Go ahead, preacher. And so we started teasing him. We'd started saying, "Goathead." It sounded like, go ahead, and the preacher thought, "saying go ahead, and so he'd just preach on, but uh, I've heard people say, oh yes, oh yes, I've heard him say, come on, I've heard him say, all right, that's kind of a cool one, kind of laid back, preacher's preaching along, all right, I've heard him say, hallelujah, I've heard him say, yes sir, I've heard him say, park there a while, preacher. I've heard him say out in the Midwest, plow that field, preacher. Shuck that corn, preacher. Milk that cow. I've even heard ladies say, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe not all of those are appropriate, but pick one, right? And just every once in a while, say, you know what? Once during the service, I'm going to express some Acknowledgement that I agree with what's being said. And so uh, some of you guys just make it a goal, man, on one time. One time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. And if you can't say any of those, just give a holy grunt every once in a while and Jesus will be pleased with it. Uh, nod your head in agreement. Smile. Laugh when something's funny. Shed a tear when God moves on your heart. Too many people attend church with the he won't move me today attitude. And can I just say that's just a rebellious spirit. That's a wicked and rebellious spirit. It's not about having someone try to move you. It's about all of us trying to surrender to the Lord. Amen. Uh, Let me just say a word for those of you trying to have trouble staying awake during church. Just say amen. You get tired, say amen more. (laughs) Norman's about half dead. And, uh, you know, you get tired. Amen. You get tired, sit, sit on the edge of your seat a little bit more. Sit up a little straighter. Lean in a little bit. Say amen. Listen actively. And, man, I've, I tell you what, I've been so tired before, even driving down the street, I'm slapping myself. I'm punching my leg. I got my head hanging out the window during the winter, driving like a dog, you know, trying to trying to get to where I'm going. And, uh, man, there have been times I've been, I've been so tired in church before where I'm poking my leg with a pencil. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm poking myself under the pew. Everyone, you say, preacher, that's a little crazy. It may be, but I believe God uses preaching in my life. That's, I, I value it, and I want it, and I want to hear it. Let me just give you the last two here. Participate in the invitation. The altar calls a sacred moment. Really, it's the moment the rubber hits the road. If you haven't visited the altar in quite a while, I'd encourage you to do so. You say, well, I just don't do that. Then I'd encourage you to search your heart. Why? You know, some people say, well, the altar calls all about all about pride. I don't know of anybody or too many people that are going to the altar too much because they want people to think they're spiritual. No, I think pride keeps a lot more people in the pew because they don't want to be seen going to the altar. And so... Some people are resistant to the idea of the public invitation at all. But settle the matter in your heart. God uses the invitation to save souls and change lives. I've said it many times. There's only two reasons to go to the altar. The first is God spoke to your heart. The second is God didn't speak to your heart. Let me ask you a question, dear friend. How many church services are you going to sit through and get nothing from the preaching? You get nothing. People say, preacher, God didn't talk to me at all. And I'd say, how long are you going to let that happen? How many services are you going to let that go before you run down to an altar and you say, God, why aren't you talking to me? Why why can't I listen to your voice? What's between me and you? I need to hear you. Because every service you go through without God giving you something, the heart just gets a little harder, gets a little easier next time. I'm not saying every service is going to be a life shattering event. But every service, if you ask God to help you, it's going to move you closer to Jesus. It's just going to inch you closer to Jesus. Use that time at the altar call. If you don't come to the altar, at least use that time in your seat to do business with the Lord. But many, many times, many, many times, we ought to come down to an altar and and kneel and do business with the Lord. You say, well, I don't believe in that. All I can tell you is, I know countless people it's helped, and it's helped me. It's helped me. It's changed this preacher. Let me say lastly, when you're done listening to preaching, thank God for speaking to you. Don't ever take it for granted that God spoke to your heart. Take a moment... And just thank God. Say, God, thank you for talking to me. Maybe God's even telling you things you don't want to hear. Sometimes he'll do that. Amen. But he always tells us what we need to hear. But always, always finish a service saying, God, thank you for that message. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for this book. Thank you for what you talked to me. Help me. Help me with that. You know I need to be more consistent in that area you know I need to, to, to give up that sin you know I need to, to pray more you know I need to be more bold in witnessing you know I need to be a better husband, a wife a father, a mother, whatever it is take that moment and say God thank you for speaking to me appreciate God marvel at him, resolve to live for him these are ten simple steps that if you'll listen to them they're going to help you be a better Christian I promise you they will I wonder who's going to take some of these and get more out of the preaching. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we ask you to help us. Please give us your grace as we go forward. May we learn from these things and may we get more out of preaching for the rest of our lives because of what we heard today. May we take these things, teach them to our children, teach them to the new Christians that come. and. Thank you for using preaching. And still in 2019, you're using the preaching of the Word of God. Yes, the world calls it foolishness. But you call it the power of God. We're thankful for it. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand. As the piano plays, the altar's open.